It's another Hello Healthy, a Dignity Health podcast with Bill Klaproth. Stroke is the fifth leading cause of death in the United States and the leading cause of disability. So what do you need to know about early detection and treatment through endovascular thrombectomy, or EVT? Here to talk with us about thrombectomy and the Stroke Center at Memorial Hospital is Dr. Karan Thomas, Director, Stroke and Neurointerventional Services at Dignity Health, Bakersfield Memorial Hospital. Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for your time. So what are the two different types? types of strokes we should know about. Good morning, Bill. Uh, thanks for having me here. So um, the, the the stroke means injury to the brain or uh, more or less irreversible injury to the brain because of a blood vessel-related problem. So that is what uh, the, the, the term uh, means. And uh, there are two types of injuries that can arise from vascular problems. Uh, one is a ischemic, meaning there's a blocked blood vessel, or the second is the hemorrhagic, where there's a leaky blood vessel. So it is essentially a dry problem, meaning injury to the brain because there's not enough blood getting there, or a hemorrhagic, a wet problem, where there's a puddle of blood that's leaked out from a blood vessel causing injury to to the brain just because of the, the, the pressure or the mass effect of the hematoma or the blood puddle. And also, this blood was supposed to reach somewhere, which it did not. So you can have injury arising from that, too. So ischemic and hemorrhagic stroke, to answer your question, these are the two types of stroke that we come across. And with ischemic strokes, those are largely treatable. Is that correct? Now, um, the term stroke itself means there's irreversible injury. So when injury to the brain occurs, it's essentially considered irreversible. There is no going back on that. However... During the evolution, during the evolving phase of the injury, there may be steps that we can take to either halt the progression of the injury or maybe even reverse some of the effects um, by restoring the blood flow or, you know, if it's an ischemic type of stroke or stopping the hemorrhage or the potential for further hemorrhage if it's a hemorrhagic kind. So um, to answer your question, yes, um, despite the term meaning uh, irreversible injury, during the hyperacute phase or the acute phase, the first few hours, uh, of the process, there may be steps we can take to reverse the problem or limit the problem. So it's important to get the patient to the right hospital for the right treatment. Is that correct? Absolutely. So uh, many of the advancements in treatment of ischemic stroke, uh, uh, for one, even hemorrhagic stroke, uh, you know, it is uh, the the advancements that have uh, you know, been made. Uh, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years, uh, some of those advancements are still not available in many of the centers uh, in the country. So in ischemic stroke, on the other hand, uh, most of the advancements uh, have been made in the last four or five years, the, the path-breaking advancements. So it is very important to identify stroke uh, for one, to, you know, make sure that we get the patient to the right uh, place and, right, and in the right time. And two, um, the right place is very important because uh, many of these um, uh, the capabilities, many of these advancements are pretty sophisticated and it may not be available across, uh, you know, the town that you're living. It, 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 there may be only one center uh, in, in town that has it or Sometimes it may not be even available in town. You may have to be, you know, airlifted or transported to a different city to have this uh, done at. So identification of the place to go to when you have symptoms of an ischemic stroke or hemorrhagic stroke, for that matter, it's very crucial. And you just mentioned advancements. Can you tell us about advancements in early detection and treatment of large ischemic strokes and how that's improving patient outcomes? 
Sure. So the two um, key words that you used, large and ischemic. Ischemic means there's a lack of blood flow and large, it's a larger territory of the brain involved as opposed to a small uh, region. And how is that relevant? Because, you know, the brain is not just supplied by one vessel. There are four major vessels supplying the brain and also it is not those four vessels, it's, the, you know, the numerous branches, small branches that arise of it. So the smaller the vessel involved, the smaller territory of brain that will be affected. On the other hand, if it's a larger vessel that goes up, you know, to one side of the brain and and gets blocked before it branches out, then, you know, obviously going to be a larger area of the brain that's going to be affected and thereby a larger deficit that the patient would be left with. In larger vessel strokes, because, you know, the, the stakes are really high because it's a much bigger territory of brain that's involved here, it is important that we do everything possible to try to limit the progression of the injury or reverse it. And how do we do that? A large vessel stroke is caused by obstruction or occlusion of a large blood vessel. And we can try the clot-dissolving medicine just as we used in, in the uh, small strokes. We can use the same one if the patient is a candidate. So there are time limits or, you know, uh, patient characteristic limit, uh, you know, uh, criteria that applies here. We can try that medication, but many a time we know that, you know, large vessel strokes, the chances of that clot dissolving medicine is uh, a medicine working and opening up that vessel is not that high, right? So there is still a great proportion, a great number of people who may not derive, you know, complete or good benefit from that clot dissolving medicine. So in those cases, it may be reasonable if, the, again, if for the right patient, uh, you know, with the right characteristics and, and the right time frame, if we can go up and somehow mechanically open that vessel, yeah, either sucking the clot out or dissolving by injecting medication directly to it or using devices called stent retrievers to, you know, pull the clot out, if we can open up that vessel, we can limit the actual, you know, amount of injury that uh, otherwise would have happened. And that would make a huge difference. That would determine whether the patient is going to be independent or completely dependent in the, for the rest of his life. Well, that's really good to know, Dr. Thomas. And can you tell us about the endovascular thrombectomy? What is that and what kind of stroke needs a thrombectomy? So endovascular pertains to the inside of a blood vessel. So what it means that we are actually, you know, going through the blood vessel, the most common site of entry is in the groin. We get into the blood vessel with a series of tubes, slender hollow tubes called catheters. We get, we navigate through the blood vessel using, you know, fluoroscopy or, uh, or x-rays to get to the point of occlusion. And we deliver, you know, devices called stent retrievers or use suction or use medication to open that vessel up, either by pulling the clot out or maybe disintegrating or dissolving the clot with medication. So that is that procedure of opening up a vessel, which was previously occluded by a blood clot, is called thrombectomy. Thrombus refers to clot, and thrombectomy, thrombectomy means removal of that blood clot. So it is very important to uh, see if, uh, if if the patient would be a candidate, would meet the criteria for thrombectomy in, in a large vessel uh, occlusive disease or large vessel occlusion. And Dr. Thomas, I just quickly want to ask you, what are the symptoms of both ischemic and hemorrhagic stroke? So again, um, the symptoms of a stroke, whether it's hemorrhagic or ischemic, are all related to the area of the brain that's involved. Okay, And the only additional symptoms that you can expect with hemorrhagic stroke is um, symptoms related to increased pressure inside the skull. And those symptoms are, you know, depressed consciousness or uh, headaches, um, you know, someone who uh, all of a sudden becomes very drowsy and lethargic or has a massive headache. These are symptoms of a hemorrhage in addition to those symptoms related to, you know, dysfunction of that part of the brain. The most common symptoms, which are most, you know, easily noticed are 
what are what is described by the the acronym FAST. So facial asymmetry because there's weakness of the facial muscles uh, and loss of strength in the arms and speech because your speech is either slurred because of you know loss of uh, motor tone of the facial muscles or tongue and or an impairment of language. So the ability to understand and produce language or uh, or, uh, or uh, spoken language or written language. So these are the most commonly you know and easily noticed symptoms in an acute stroke. Doesn't mean that these can these need to be the only symptoms. Sometimes strokes can be pretty hard to diagnose even or or uh, discern even for a neurologist. So some of these strokes, depending on the area of the brain that's involved, you can have different symptoms. But the face, arm, and speech are the most common and easily noticed ones. Okay, very good to know. And Memorial Hospital has achieved national recognition for excellence in stroke care. What standards must the hospital meet to achieve this certification? That is true. So Memorial was recently designated as a thrombectomy uh, uh, center, a thrombectomy-capable center by the Joint Commission. And what that means is, uh, or any certification means that, you know, we have standardized care. So it is not a one-off thing for one patient who's lucky enough to get the procedure. We standardize uh, the the availability of the the procedure, availability of the, uh, the facility, and uh, the way we do this so that we can optimize outcomes for the best, uh, to, to aim for the best outcome for every one of the patients who come to the ER or being transferred to that hospital for uh, any reason. Every patient that comes to the uh, the hospital will be met with and will receive the same standard of care, which is comparable, which is at par with anything that you can you know receive from any advanced centers in the country. And how is the Sarvanon Heart and Brain Center at Memorial Hospital uniquely qualified for this distinction? So um, just like what I mentioned before, uh, you know, the certification uh, entails, um, you know, a lot of things. So making sure that, okay, you know, we, we adhere to all the protocols, all the guidelines that's been enunciated by the, the certifying bodies or the, uh, the, uh, the boards that govern or uh, the, that research on the problem. And um, so that is one thing. So, you know, for example, how, how long do we take uh, to get a CAT scan? How long do we uh, take to get a blood draw after the patient hits the ER door or, is, is, or comes to the facility? But it's important that we try to save, we try to shave off every minute possible in trying to, in trying to get the patient to the right treatment, whether it's the clot-dissolving medication called alteplase or a life-saving or, um, you know, quality of life-saving altering uh, procedure like thrombectomy. So uh, one thing, the most important thing about certification and uh, what's unique about the Sarvanand Heart and Brain Center is that we constantly strive to meet those guidelines, to meet with the uh, the, the parameters that have been enunciated by the, uh, the body uh, or even try to better them uh, whenever possible. And the second is the the facility. So we have a biplane unit, which is the, the gold standard for imaging uh, in um, neurovascular procedures, uh, and uh, we have a neurological critical care unit uh, that is dedicated to care of patients with very critical conditions involving the the brain and the spine. So all these, uh, you know, factor into the ultimate outcome that the patient will experience or will have when they are, uh, you know, when they suffer, when they experience the life. Uh, uh, changing condition like a neurological problem. Well, Dr. Thomas, this has been very informative, and thank you for your time. For more information, please visit DignityHealth.org slash Bakersfield. That's DignityHealth.org slash Bakersfield. This is Hello Healthy, a Dignity Health podcast. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.